TikTok. It's been out for uh, for quite a while now. Uh, I actually started trending on TikTok because I uh, was duetted by the creators of Phineas and Ferb. Nice. Yeah, like, I'm still freaking out about that. <laughs> yeah. So where, where can people find this video? On TikTok. Uh, I mean, I think my at on TikTok is at ultimate underscore dad <laughs> yes it is the ultimate underscore dad which is ironic because the video was all about the real truth of phineas's dad it's true i figured it out no one else has figured out phineas's real dad but i did and if you want the answer you'll have to watch my tiktok that's right pay to win baby <laughs> <laughs> and it made the original creators like cry uh, yeah it made them it was, cry uh, and it made me cry a little bit i was like this is a bit too real you know i don't I don't know how I feel about it, but it was really good. So go go check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in to episode three of the Angsty Christian Podcast. My name is Daniel. Fun fact about me: my mom didn't let me watch the Veggie Tales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for all you out there, it's ironic because today we're going to be talking about purity culture yeah. and about how like parents in the evangelical church and Catholic pe- parents. In the church, Christian parents, mm. all right, they they don't allow you to watch certain things. And my mom, hers was Veggie Tales. <laughs> I, I I don't know why. I, I like I remember I've seen a couple episodes, like in church, like Sunday school and stuff. But like, there was a lot that I didn't watch. So people are like saying all these songs and everything. I I begged my mom multiple times to buy the movies, and she just never did. And I think maybe she didn't like it. Maybe she thought it was sinful because it was making Jesus into vegetables or something. I don't Jesus was never a vegetable, according to Phil Vischer. That was, like, the one thing that he that his wife wouldn't allow him to do. Oh, <laughs> he good. couldn't make Jesus a vegetable. That's, that's fair. Cause, but then what, a, what about Helen Keller? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel horrible about that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Anyways, so I actually, uh, I do want to quick quickly mention my neighbor is cutting his grass with a giant saw. So if you hear a cutting noise in the background, that's him. Again, George, wonderful guy. Absolutely love him. Um, but just want to let you know what that sound may be. We closed the garage door just a little bit. Uh, so that way we could dampen the noise. But I mean, hey, if you're a church out there. You know, the ones that we're calling out. And if you want to give us a sound room to do our podcast, uh, hey, we'd love that. But uh, until then, you got to put up with this. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, preferably in Southern California, Orange County, within 10 to 15 minutes of where Jake and I both live. Oh, the saw got a little louder. Nice. He's like going really hard on uh, on mowing the lawn. I actually like really appreciate this hustle. Like, if you guys could watch this, it's it's pretty impressive. It's, it's a grind, yeah. honestly. Like, like, he's on, like, his knees, and he's just, like, he's going. That's 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 cool. I've never seen someone do that. Um, well, anyways, moving on from my dope neighbor. Um, Jake, I, I saw Kenneth yesterday. You saw Kenneth yesterday? Yeah, like, no cap, dude. Like, I legitimately saw Kenneth. So, uh, this story um, is a true story. And... Uh, I went to get sushi with one of the guys that I live with, and as we're walking into the sushi place, we see Kenneth backing out in his, like, really nice car with his windows down. He was blasting some music, and as he was, like, backing out, he, like, sideswept a parked car, and, like, it wasn't, like, a little tap. Like, it was, like, he pushed the other car with his car. The car shook. Oh. And so I go, Kenneth, you just hit a car. 
And he doesn't, he, he kind of ignores me. And he just keeps going like, you know, whatever, I'm going to walk in. So the guy that I'm with, he goes, no, hold on, hold on, I'm going to just just wait. So he tries to stealthily take a photo uh, so that he could grab a picture of Kenneth's license plate. And Kenneth gets mad, right? So he starts yelling, hey, what are you doing? Why are you taking a picture of Boa? We ignore him. I'm like, dude, I don't know you. I can't be seen with you right now. Like, is it I'm an accessory to your crime? This dude's about to commit a hit and run. So we go into the sushi place and we go and like, okay, how many? Two. Okay, cool. Um, and then this guy follows us in, yelling the entire time. And he starts yelling like, what are you doing? Why are you taking that photo? Let me see your phone, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm like, and I look to him like, what are you talking about, dude? Kenneth, what, what are you talking about? He's like, you took a picture. I'm like, no, I didn't. And he's like, yeah. He did. And he was pointing at the guy that I was with. He's like, he took a picture. Let me see the phone. I'm like, dude, no one took a photo. And the guy that I was with was like, yeah, I didn't take a photo. Like, what are you talking about, man? And so obviously we're lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're obviously lying about this. But like both of us instinctually knew just to not like be like, we saw you hit a car. So we're taking a picture of your license plate to go report to the authorities. Right. We're just like playing dumb. Because we just had that feeling, you know, like fight or flight response. We had like the the little stress brain going off that said, don't say anything because it's going to escalate. So he keeps yelling at us uh, and keeps being like, let me see your phone. Let me see your phone. And I'm, give me your phone. I'm like, uh, that's his private property, sir. You can't you can't just take it. Kenneth, come on, dude. What are you come doing on, here, Kenneth? And so, and so uh, at one point, um, I put my hand up to him, kind of like that meme that says, daddy, chill. Uh, and, uh, the guy that I was with, he, uh, his, his story, uh, that he likes to tell people is that he said that, and I really wish he did, and I, and he wishes he did too, um, but instead what I did is I went full trauma-informed social worker, and I go, sir, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need to ask you to calm down a little bit so that we can talk about this, and he goes, no, he took, why are you taking a photo, I'm like, sir, sir. Kenneth, I need you to calm down so that we can talk. He's like, well, why doesn't he just answer my question? I said, he did answer your question. He said, no, he didn't. I said, yes, he did. He told you he did not take a photo. We were coming into the sushi restaurant with the reservation, so we were checking the phone to check our reservation. Do you need anything else? He goes, you know what? Fuck you guys. This shit ain't worth it. Badasses. And then he walked out. Damn, Kenneth. Yeah, I don't know if Kenneth and I are going to talk for a couple weeks. Yeah. Hey, it's it's gonna be a while since <laughs> until we see Kenneth again. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, he did a hit and run. He also verbally assaulted us, and the entire like restaurant saw. Like it was, it was, it he it was pretty embarrassing for him. Yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenneth. May, maybe he and his fiance got into a fight. Ooh, you think so? Yeah, I, I mean, she wasn't in the car with him. Yeah, so maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe we were right. Maybe we were right. Or maybe they just got into a fire. Maybe he was on his own. I don't know. Anyways. But yeah. So. That 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 happened, man. That that like really happened. Yeah. Well, I would like to say though that we did uh, take a picture so that uh, the guy that I was with, he wrote down his number and wrote down, hey, your car got hit. I have a picture of the license plate. Feel free to text me if you wish. Put it on the windshield and, you know went about it that car was still there by the time we left so uh and we were there for like a good 30 minutes to an hour or whatever but you know it was a, it was a good deed it was a good deed of of the guy that i was with and that was that was that was really good of him but kenneth dude you're just kind of a douchebag man oh and he was wearing a chin diaper too oh yeah no, not the chin diaper. like a noticeable chin diaper it oh. wasn't even trying to go over his nose man yeah oh, kenneth. what are we gonna do with you kenneth <laughs> Dude, you know, I don't know, but... Well, uh, this week, uh, to move on from the Kenneth Bash of this week, um, we are... Uh, what are we talking about today, Jake? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, purity culture, because uh, it, it's a topic that definitely hits close to home for me. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I grew up not only in uh, the Christian church, but I grew up in a private Christian school, and oh, God. so... Oh yeah, and so until about eight, until I got to high school, I was taught all these years, don't don't do don't do the things that aren't pure. Did like, you did you did you kiss dating goodbye? Ooh no, uh. <laughs> no I 
was a rebel. Sinner. Sinner. I know. No, I, I was a rebel, but I didn't date until high school. That that was something that I didn't do, just because when you're in a very small private school, all your classmates are the same, and you've grown up with them for years. They all kind of start to feel like siblings at some point, so it's like... But we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm quoting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is turning into Justin Daniel, the angsty Christian Daniel podcast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I hate that, actually. Don't ever call me that. If anyone calls me that, um, I I don't know what I'll do, but it, I... We'll find you, and we will... Pray for you. Pray for you. <laughs> oh, that's what I should have done to Kenneth, man. No, we should have uh, prayed for Kenneth. We should have prayed for Kenneth. We'll, we'll make sure to do that after the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lord be with Kenneth. He not know what he does. <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> so, purity culture. Growing up and all that shit. Like, I don't know. I mean, purity culture is a fucking weird thing, alright? Like, you got, you got purity rings. You got yeah. abstinence things. Mm-hmm. You got chastity belts. <laughs> Part of it? Wait a uh, minute. Uh, kind of is. Uh, <laughs> might as well be. I mean, like, it's it's all this stuff, and and it's all well. It's it's good intentions, mm-hmm. right? It's it's all well intended stuff. Like, I I mean, part of me has to ask, like, why people are like this? You know, like, why do people buy into this? First, like, let's be fair to the other side, right? So, purity culture is to help someone remain. Pure, and it's typically like sexual morality, you know. So like, typically, yeah. No sex before marriage, no masturbation, no pornography, and no divorce, no know. divorce, and uh, no cursing, no horror movies, no blood and violence, no video game, like no Harry Potter, no Harry Potter. Oh God, no Harry Potter. Um, and it's like it's just a list of do's and do nots, and and more often it's a list of do nots, right? And and, and and I and I get it. So like let's let's look at like the the ancient Jews, right? So in 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 Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, created you know all that shit. And uh, you get Abraham and go through all the way until eventually the Egyptian or the Egyptians are the captors of the Jewish people, right? So then when the Egyptians are the captors of the Jewish people, uh, this dude named Moses, right? Uh, one of my favorite stories of Moses, by the way. If you don't know who Moses is, he's a dude who sl- freed uh, millions or thousands of, I don't fucking know how many, uh, Israelites. It's, it's not, I, Bible may be clear about that. I don't really know. Because um, I don't have that memorized and I don't care to at the moment. Uh, but uh, Moses uh, was sent down a river to escape being killed uh, as an infant, I'm, I'm like really going through this quickly cause I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this yeah. is important. Right. And he ends up in the house of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh's daughter finds him, essentially adopts him. It's a very beautiful story of adoption. And he essentially is like the Prince of Egypt. So, Oh wait, there's that really great movie called the Prince of Egypt. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's what it's about. <laughs> Moses. Um, I didn't know that when I watched that as a kid. I didn't realize it was Moses. And then when I went to college and was in Exodus and Deuteronomy, I was like, wait, I've seen this movie. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't learn much in church growing up, quite oh, frankly, boy. which is ironic because here I am talking about the Bible like I know it, which... I mean, you do now. I do now. It's really <laughs> funny. Uh, but, um, so he's a prince of Egypt and and he learns eventually of his Jewish identity. And he learns, oh wait, I am like these people who are enslaved. And he sees this Egyptian Egyptian uh, slave master uh, beating one of his people. And so, what does Moses do? He pushes him <laughs> and kills this man. He literally kills an Egyptian man in cold blood. And so he's he's outlawed. He's like gonna he he would die essentially. Mm-hmm. Runs away, whatever. Anyways, leads to all this stuff of him leading the Egyptians out of slavery. So yes, God used a man who committed murder, who also had a speech impediment, fun fact, um, to lead all of his people out of Egypt and uh, into the promised land. However, uh, the 
Israelites were stupid, kind of like us today, and continued to disobey God countless times uh, to the point where God said, all right, this generation that I freed in Egypt was never going to go to Jerusalem. It's going to be their children that are going to end up in Jerusalem. So Moses never got to see Jerusalem. Well, he got to see it from the top of uh, the Mount, Mount Sinai. Sinai. Yeah. yeah, you saw it from the Mount Sinai where he apparently disappeared and you know, it's that, 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 that the, the end of that story is a bit fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But anyways, during this entire time, right? So you have God created the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. And then the uh, Israelites, while, while Moses was up there, created a golden calf uh, to worship because they needed the physical uh, manifestation of God, which up to that point, they had the fire uh, or the cloud by day and the fire by night. So that so, but then with Moses up in in Mount Sinai talking with God, you know God's physical presence is down there. So they created the golden calf. Moses comes down, sees this shit, is pissed, and throws the commandments and breaks them. Well, later he has to go back up and get the commandments again, and so he brings back another thing. Anyways, so you have this story, right? God created the Ten Commandments. We'll go, I guess, deeper into all that because I kind of butchered that entire story, but. uh Essentially, you had God created these commandments, which which weren't a list of do's and do nots. It was a list of this is this is the rules that I have for my people. It's kind of like parents. Parents have rules for their house of how they want to live. Um, societies have rules in which they want to live. It's kind of like laws, right? Yeah. So so God created these ten laws, and they're pretty easy. All right. They're pretty easy to follow. They're, 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 they're pretty easy. And the longest one was Sabbath, which we'll do a whole thing on Sabbath because I love Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the the Jewish people, after breaking it and getting the new Ten Commandments, which were slightly tweaked, and then breaking it again continuously to the point where they went into exile quite a few times, um, they, they realized, finally, after going to exile, uh, with the Babylonian exile, uh, they were like, oh shit, we should listen to the prophets who've been telling us that we just need to follow the law of God, right? And so in order to follow the law, they create, um, actually, I was wrong on that. Sorry, I'm going to backtrack. I'm pretty sure when they created their extra laws, which is the book of Leviticus, it was actually prior to that when they realized that they weren't going to be able to go to Jerusalem. Uh, regardless, it doesn't fucking matter when that happened. I have to like read through it and I didn't prepare this part, but, uh, <laughs> anyways, there's a list yes. of 10 big boys yes. that you cannot, there's 10 big boys <laughs> that you cannot, uh, you cannot break. Uh, and the Israelites, the, 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 the rich ones at least, or the teachers of the law, they created a list of, I think it's literally like 500 laws. Mm-hmm. Like it's a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all it's all ways to not break those Ten Commandments. And then you fast forward up to Jesus' day, and they created even more laws. So let's take one of them for example, right? Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Yeah. Just as the Lord God had rested on the seventh day, you also should rest on the seventh day after working. And then the second version of the commandments in Deuteronomy is slightly different. Um, and the emphasis is less on creation and more on for the God had rescued you out of Egypt. And so you are to, uh, remember that on the seventh day and keep it a habitual habit. So you have, you have that one, right? All right. Rest. Pretty simple. Yeah. Go take a nap. Yeah. Take a nap, spend a day with your family. But they said, all right, sun goes down Friday night. We will not cook. We will not clean. We can't walk a certain amount of distance. We can't carry a thing. We can't pick up dirt and move it. We can't, like, there's so many different things. So if you look at the gospel narrative, right? Mm. You have Jesus continuously breaking the Sabbath. Because he does things like heals someone on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. He does things like he picks up dirt, spits in it. And moves it around to turn into mud, which is a form of work. His disciples pick from the fields so that they can eat, which that is labeled as work. Uh, they had a thing where uh, the their toilet was outside of the city because they didn't have the type of uh, 
irrigation that we have now, or not irrigation, you know what I mean. The plumbing. Toilet plumbing, there you go. <laughs> not irrigation, although I guess you could poop in the lawn and it would be of benefit to the ground, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> they didn't have plumbing, right? And so the distance from the toilet and back was like the exact distance that you couldn't walk, right? Mm. So say it was like 499 steps that you could walk without it being work. It was like 500. And I remember hearing this in one of my classes once. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, so if you had a poop, I'm sorry, bud, but you got to hold it. And I was like, I, I was like, I couldn't imagine doing that after eating Taco Bell. That sounds like more work. <laughs> that sounds like more work. Anyways, so you have, you have rules on top of rules on top of rules. That's what purity culture is. They take these couple of verses... And they just put rules on top of rules so that you don't break them, right? Like I, act, this is the part I actually did research on, Jake. All right, okay. I, I did I did a little bit of research uh, on where Puritanism came from, and uh, or not Puritanism. Sorry, I have Puritanism, Gnosticism, and purity culture. Yeah. Um, the funny the funny one is last last episode we trash talked uh, the Gospel Coalition. Um, I found an article by the Gospel Coalition. Uh, which is actually pretty funny. Um, and I wanted to see what they were saying about purity culture. And what they say is, purity culture is a term often used for the evangelical movement that attempts to promote a biblical view of purity, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3-8, through by discouraging dating and promoting virginity before marriage, often through the use of tools such as purity pledges, symbols such as purity rings, and events such as purity balls. <laughs> Purity balls? What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Purity balls? Yeah, purity balls are when a father takes his daughter to like a ball where they dress all nice and everything. And it's like a whole thing about her her virginity. Okay, that's really wholesome and also really creepy at the same time. Hey, Jake, you want to see my purity balls? (laughs) That's what it sounds like. If you collect seven of them, do you get a wish? (laughs) My goal in life is to have a daughter and take her to seven purity balls to see if Shenron comes out and grants me my wish. It would be Shenron. It would be Isaiah. No, it's the dragon from the Apocrypha. No, it's the... (laughs) No, no, it's a dragon from Revelation. <laughs> you who have gone to seven purity balls, I now grant you rapture. That—that's what the rapture is. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's first. what the rapture is, <laughs> guys. The seven seals is actually seven purity balls. <laughs> you have to collect seventy seven seven purity rings. Get seven purity pledges and go to seven purity balls. Uh, I hate myself. <laughs> my mom's not gonna get that reference. I'll no, have to explain it to her. My mom, my mom might, because I talked about Dragon Ball Z a lot as a kid. She also probably won't. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, which quick quick side note: Has your mom listened to episode two? Yeah, she she's listened to episode two. What were her thoughts? I love you, mom. <laughs> So I take that as she didn't like it because we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promised yeah. her this episode would be better. Okay, uh, I don't know if I can promise that one. Uh, <laughs> I think we already passed that passed that limit. Um, <laughs> the tracking. Never mind. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> woo. Okay. So, anyways, all right. So, so we got we got that shit. So I looked up and I was like, okay, what are the typical verses that they, they talk about with with purity culture? Okay, so you have um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3 through 8, all right? So um, this is the exact passage that it linked me to, which is the ESV version. Um, and it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Uh, did a bee just fly in? No, it wasn't a bee. I think it was a crane fly. Okay, guys, sorry. I almost got stung by a bee. Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyways. That each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. 
not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Oh, fucking shit, Paul. Uh, that, <laughs> that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner because the Lord is an avenger. Jesus is an avenger, guys. Yo, he was there! <laughs> in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So you have that. And then you have it uh, from, I think, Romans or Galatians. I think it's Galatians. Where it's talking against the flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and it's saying, like, the flesh is, is impure, but the spirit is pure. Do not do things of the flesh. Do not worry about the flesh, but worry about the things of the spirit right so you have you have you have all this all right so let me we're, we're gonna back up a little bit to some ancient greek uh people and the, the early christians all right so the early church there were a ton of sects s-e-c-t-s and okay. there might have been a lot of sex i don't know um, <laughs> i mean they come from somewhere yeah, true um so you have a bunch of different cults popping up right christianity was seen as a jewish cult because they were zombies or vampires or whatever is kind of what they thought because they drank bot or drank the body and or drank the blood and ate the body uh so they were seen as christians were seen as weird still are uh but they were seen as weird <laughs> and crazy um and so they're seen as like an occultish uh sect of judaism but you had a bunch of different people who were coming up with different ideas of 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 theology okay and one called Gnosticism popped up. Uh, I don't know when this was, but it was early church times. Um, and Gnosticism was essentially this idea where, and I shit you not, they viewed material existence as flawed or evil. Gnostic cosmology generally presents a distinction between a supreme hidden god and a malevolent lesser divinity, sometimes associated with the Yahweh of the Old Testament, who is responsible for creating the material universe. Gnostics consider the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the supreme divinity in the form of mystical or esoteric insight. Many Gnostics texts deal not in concepts of sin and repentance, both illusion and enlightenment. So you have that. Um, essentially, what they, what they did and what they viewed uh, was... They they emphasize personal spiritual knowledge, known as gnosis, over the orthodox teachings, traditions, and authority of the church. So they viewed they viewed material existence as flawed or evil, um, and they viewed the spirit as good. So they separated the physical realm with the spiritual realm, or our bodies from our spirits. Now, what's interesting about that is that's a very Greek idea jewish people of the ancient world did not separate the body and the spirit they believed them to be one and to separate the physical from the spiritual if you were to ask me means that there's zero reason for jesus to come down as a human it's true because jesus came down as 100 percent human 100 percent god he didn't come down as some spiritual entity if you had that you had zeus they, they already had many different deities yeah. uh or or gods that came down in a spiritual realm they didn't have anyone who came down in a very physical manifestation of the divinity right so you have you have gnosticism and it was denounced by the early church fathers as heresy um and it's actually kind of strange because uh they try to destroy all their texts and stuff uh so it's like uh, not the sacred texts. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like they, the Gnostic Christian tradition, Christ was seen as like a divine being, which is taking human form in order to lead humanity back to the light. Um, which I guess isn't horrible, but like Gnosticism was just super like, I don't know. I, I think it's bullshit again, for the reasons that we had previously discussed. And, and, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of like this holier than thou idea, right? So you have that, and then you lead to Puritans. So Puritans escaped Europe to come to America later on, and Puritans are kind of the same thing. Like it's all about being pure. It's it's kind of like the, again this idea that the body is bad and the spirit is good, and that's very Calvinistic as well. 
Uh, and Calvinistic is a train of theological thought from uh, John Calvin. And, and so you, you have that stuff as kind of a history, right? Right. And, and so it... And then you have like the Israelites who put rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules to remain pure. So no shit we're going to have modern Christians do the same thing over and over and over again. And then once again get defensive when people break free of that. Yeah. And purity culture is just a way for me, in my opinion, of the, the church, of parents of religious authority, religious elite, of keeping the status quo so that they can have control over culture, over people, I guess. I don't know. That was my giant train of thought, and I hope that all makes sense. Maybe it didn't. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the whole concept of rules on top of rules um, from what I've learned can actually be traced all the way back to literally Genesis and Adam and Eve out of all places. Like, literally you have uh, like, I believe it was um, God told Adam do not eat of the fruit that is of the that is on the forbidden tree and then Adam told Eve that God told them not to touch the fruit. And of course Eve went and touched the fruit as kind of like testing the waters, saw that nothing bad happened because obviously that wasn't the original commandment. And because the serpent told her to do it. Yeah, and the serpent told her to do it, of course. So, and because that, nothing bad happened then, then she went and broke the actual commandment because she thought nothing bad was going to happen. That's right, guys. You heard it here first. It's all Eve's fault. (laughs) No, it's not Eve's fault. She was gaslit. (laughs) She was gaslit by the serpent and by Adam. That's right, Adam. We're calling you out. Yes, there you go. Women Woman empowerment. Yes. Yeah. Women deserve better. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, a lot of uh, people often blame Eve as, oh, thank you, computer, for telling me to make a gym reservation. Um, a lot of people blame Eve uh, for the fall of man. Um, but let's also stop and realize not only the gaslighting that happened in there, but also the fact that the beginning parts of Genesis likely weren't real. Oh that. God! What have I said? What? Okay, that's a, that's a topic that we definitely need to discuss a different day. Cause that oh, one hundred percent. That is yeah. a deep well that we can dive into. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, so that's a little bit of like the church history shit. Uh, if you listen this far, great, wonderful. Thanks for sticking with us. This all has a point um, <coughs> because purity culture is a new idea. Like, at least the way we know it nowadays, it's new. And it came about in, like, the 1990s because the children, like me, were parent, were, our parents were living in the beginning of the 1960s era of sexual revolution. And, like, it kind of it kind of started because of, like, AIDS being super prevalent um, and, and, like, a huge cause of death. Like, I remember growing up for myself, like... Even though I had never had sex, nor did any of my parents have AIDS, uh, I had this huge fear of AIDS because that was part of my parents' culture. It's a generational trauma thing. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually, like, stopped to think about that. Nowadays, I'm like, no, if, as long as I, you know, if I, if I have sex and I just make it protected and also, like, make sure the other person's clean. Like, there you, go, you know, yeah. like, there's, there's things you can do to make sure you don't get fucking AIDS. Um... Uh, <laughs> True. Because it, it, I mean, it, it sucks. And it's, I know it's more prevalent in different places, but as far as I know, it's not as prevalent here in America. No. Uh, not as much as they made it think and make it sound like. Um, but you have that happening at, at, from, a, from a parents of an entire generation. And so purity culture came in a way that was well-intentioned. It was don't have sex so you don't get AIDS, mm-hmm. you know? But then it turned into don't masturbate or your dick will fall off. What? Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but you have that, and then you have, like, the books that came from it, like, True Love Waits, or you have, uh, I Kissed Gating, da- or Gating, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and you have, like, all these different things, um, uh, there, fun fact, there's, a there's someone who later produced I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, I think it was the guy who wrote the book, 
or, or something. I don't know. I don't really give a shit. But that's just kind of a funny, uh, a, fun, a funny thing. I, I'm kind of interested in looking at this documentary. Um, but uh, I look at the Gospel Coalition, and they're they're trying to use all these stats uh, to prove how purity culture is helpful. Um, but is it? Like, I mean, may, maybe for the sex thing, because you make a whole generation scared, but now we have literally an entire generation of people who are leaving the church at, at like, and for, for, for pastors, an alarming rate. Yeah. And I, I, I was seeing all these posts that were like, oh my God, church attendance after COVID is significantly down or in the middle of COVID is significantly down. Like, well, no shit. Yeah. Because people have had a year to think about the abuse that we've all gone through and realize how much we don't enjoy church. And, true. and how much gaslighting there is, how much abuse, how much spiritual, emotional, uh, maybe even physical abuse in some places. Like, the church has continuously done all this stuff. And then you have an entire generation of people who were raised in purity culture who were told that their bodies are bad yeah. What? That's stupid. <laughs> have you ever... Have you, Hey, hey, hey. Be honest now. Have you ever been naked? Yep, that's it. You're a sinner. That's right. But you... It just... It's this constant... It, I, I call modern day evangelicals... I call, I call even the evangelical church modern day Gnostics. Mm -hmm. Because what, what we're seeing is we're seeing this overemphasis on the spiritual realm versus the physical right and, and and so when we when we do that you create this this theology of the rapture that is saying that oh we're not going to be here during the end of the world we're going to be raptured well first things first the rat hot take of the week from daniel Ooh. uh the rapture it doesn't mean you go to the clouds and then never come back no no god created this earth for us we're gonna be here and if the, all that like hellhole shit is true recognize that like in the time that this was written what the word meant or what like the idea meant rapture wasn't a word back then but what this idea meant was when a king comes back from war his people line up at the gates come out to the city to welcome him and storm back through the city in victory which is what we'll be doing with Jesus Jesus comes back to earth we meet him in the clouds to welcome him back to his kingdom. And then we come back. We don't escape this shit. And also, apocalyptic literature, which is what it is, is not like the Hunger Games. Or I don't know, is Hunger Games apocalyptic? It's dystopian, no. Yeah, it's uh, dystopian. Yeah, but like our uh, modern day apocalyptic literature... Uh, where like oh it's the end of the world volcanoes pop up out of nowhere and the moon crashes to the earth that's literally not what that genre of literature is at all apocalyptic literature was always metaphorical and was written for a specific people in a specific time going through specific hardships and it was a way of saying there is hope so if we were to take apocalyptic literature and apply it to modern day context, because it doesn't exist anymore, hip hop. Hip hop started as a way to create hope for the people that are going, like that are facing police brutality. Mm -hmm. It started in the black community as a way of saying, "Hey, yeah, we're getting shot. Yeah, we're having to deal with things that white folk don't have to deal with. That includes economic hardship." Drugs on our streets, alcoholism, uh, STIs, uh, police brutality, our own people shooting at us. You name it. Oh, speaking of the popo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. As soon as you said police yeah. brutality. Yeah, they Whoa. heard me. They're um, listening, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> birds aren't real, guys. Birds aren't real. They birds heard me. Birds aren't real. Uh, but yeah, so... You have hip-hop that was written... It's kind of like a hope-filled genre. I mean, it's, it's very different than what apocalyptic literature was. Because it was normally done, told in dreams, told with metaphoric speeches, and uh, figure a lot of figurative language. Um, and that's what Revelation is. Daniel is the same kind of literature. 
So is, uh, I believe, Ezekiel. Like, those are all types of apocalyptic literature. Uh, It's not literal. It's literally never meant to be read literal. And we've made it literal because it fulfills our agenda. And the agenda is we need to keep people under our control. It's fear-based. It's all fear-based. And psychologically, we know that anything that is done in fear is not lasting. Like any decision or any ideal or whatever. Because once fear leaves, what do, you, what do you got? Well, you have people leaving churches by the masses. It's almost like we were called to prophesy a message of love rather than a message of fire and brimstone. And if you don't repent, then that is your fate. But that's not going to give me votes in the office, bro. True. That's not going to get people to give me money at my church. That is true. Like, <laughs> ser- seriously, like we're we're so hell bent, which I, is an ironic uh-huh. term. We're so hell bent on making sure that we're good enough, that we have to be up to a perfect standard, a pure standard, if you will. And yet, the whole point is that we're not. We will never achieve that. And that we can try our best and we're supposed to build each other up so that we can reach as high as we can. However, we keep being told by many a people that we're not doing it right. Yeah, and and when you, like we talked about with episode one, when you keep telling someone that they're bad and you keep telling someone that they're sitting or whatever, you and you keep buying into the shame culture idea, mm-hmm. you can never create a culture in which people are going to actually want to be better. Because they're going to say, well, I'm bad. I might as well stay bad. Like, I'm never going to be good. Why should I ever try to attain that? And, and and purity culture is just constantly like this just... It's just bullshit, dude. Like, I, I don't even... like It just makes me sad. I'm not even heated about it anymore. It just makes me so sad because I see kids all over the place who are shameful of their bodies as they go through puberty. Or shameful of, of, of sinful thoughts and ideas. Or, or I hear kids wanting to commit suicide because of the way that purity culture has influenced them. And by kids, I mean people my age. They're not kids, they're adults. Yeah. And I see people, I have so many friends who've had eating disorders or who have uh, had very sexually immoral lives because of purity culture or who have been so negatively impacted and affected by this. Like, purity culture has actually, I would argue, done the very exact opposite of what it was trying to do. Yeah. Which... Quite frankly, I don't give a flying fuck if someone has had sex with 10 different people. No. I, that's their own choice, right? Uh, and I don't think God's sitting here keeping track of all of the times that we sin. All the times that we uh, have sex or all the times we masturbate or watch porn or whatever. Which, if we're going to talk about the true sin with some of this stuff, yeah, pornography isn't good. And not because, you know, it's showing naked people having sex but because of the human trafficking that's actually involved with it. Exactly. Like, that's actually the real epidemic with that. But, like, the rest of that, we are biologically created with the want to procreate. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Like, it's it's not a bad thing whatsoever. If procreation... Think, think about it this way. If procreation was, like, sinful inherently, then why do we still exist? Exactly. Like, yeah. we should have... Like, if it was sinful, then we would have found a way to immediately cut it off at the source. No one would ever be born ever again, or at least in the Christian community. And then, what do you do now? And also, you know, you also got Jesus who was born. He was born as a human. But by a virgin. By a virgin, sure. Sure. But still born. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it just, I mean, it's just all a way of sin management. And so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's 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 all sin management. It comes back to politics. It comes back to power every single time. Yeah. So, because, like, if we, if we go back in American history uh, about 100 years, right, you have the fundamentalists, and then you have this modernist movement starting in Europe, in Germany, ironically, uh, where a lot of our... Uh, theological things happen hence you know uh, Luther and Luther with uh, yeah. the Protestant movement um, the modernists believed or the fundamentalists believed in the errant, inerrant word of God uh, Bible is not to be refuted it is literal sound familiar um, yeah. and then you had the modernists 
who were like, well, the Bible isn't inerrant. It doesn't really like it. There's a lot of flaws in it. Uh, it doesn't have it, to be literal. There's a lot of yeah. It doesn't have to be literal. It's more metaphorical. Things in philosophy and in psychology and all that stuff. Like the, all that's important. We should look at that as well in conjunction with it. And they weren't ever refuting God or Jesus, but they're like it's just when we re- so yeah yeah. So you have you have these two movements, right? And um, eventually you have uh, this guy. Uh, Open Gay, I think is his name, and uh, you have Billy Graham, uh, eventually. But they, they, they were both people who believed that the Bible is important, believed that the Bible was inerrant, and they, 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 they liked the Bible. But they were also like, but also, there's good things in philosophy, and there's good things in psychology, and there are things that are more metaphorical and less literal. And so, like, they kind of had, like, this middle point view. And they created what was called the Neo-Evangelical Movement. Yeah. Um, and they, it started rising in popularity. Um, and eventually you had the Scopes Trials, or the Scopes Monkey Trials, as popularly called, where this guy, uh, he was a teacher, Scopes, uh, who set, who uh, broke broke the law by, by unknowingly teaching uh, evolution during school, which at the time you couldn't teach evolution in the school. Uh, and the fundamentalists did win that, did win the trial, mm-hmm. but started losing the war because what happened is people started attacking the fundamentalists and saying, you guys are a bunch of kooks and all this other stuff. Like evolution's not bad. Uh, but the fundamentalists were like, Oh, Darwin, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> you fucking idiot. You yeah. goofed it up. So although they won the trial, they lost all of their power. And then you have the evangelical movement starting. Fuller Seminary was started. Biola was started. Mm-hmm. You have like all these seminaries that were rising. And the fundamentalists who were actually white people who were actually racist. Yeah. Because they believed that we were all meant to be segregated and all this other stuff. Created schools for white flights. Meaning Wild. like literally created a call at, like colleges for white folk to go to during uh, desegregation era yeah. so that they could, uh, so that they're, so it was kids sent by their parents so that they could be assured that their children would be safe. Ugh. It was like, it was like, I'm not even, I'm not making this shit up, guys. Yeah, I know you're like, not. I, That's I, why I'm like, yeah, uh. like seriously, uh, Phil Vischer does a great video on the history of evangelicalism. Go watch it. Watch it. It's, it's really great. It'll teach you in better language everything that I'm saying now but you have the fundamentalists who are losing their power because of the neo-evangelical movement and so the evangelicals eventually win a presidential election and don't ask me what president that was he looked familiar. I forgot what his name was. He's the one that that had the face. And, and yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. He was a man. Guy. Oh, yeah, 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 he was yeah, a, man. yeah. a white man. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so when this guy won, the fundamentalists were like, "Fuck, we need to co-opt this." They literally co-opted the term evangelical. Mm-hmm. And so now that's why you have no one who calls himself a fundamentalist, but you have a shit ton of people in America call themselves evangelical. Because of that whole thing, right? So now, instead of having a third way that was the neo-evangelical movement, we have the modernists and we have the evangelical. Which now, I wouldn't even say we have the modernists. It's, if you're not Catholic, you're evangelical, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, if, and if you're, uh, if you're not Catholic and if you're white, you're evangelical. Um, that's kind of what it eventually turned into. So, you have all that happening, which is constantly power... And so right now what we're seeing, you know, you have this whole idea of the culture wars. We have to fight the culture because the church is good and culture is bad. Again, a, deriv- uh, a derivation, derivation, I don't know, a derivative. I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. a, 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 a limb off of... A diversion. No. No? No. Like it, it is a... It, Divergent? No. Like I said the word divert. Uh, whatever. It's, it's like a branch off of purity culture of the body is bad, but the spirit is good. So now you have culture is bad, but the church is good because that's, you know, all that shit. And so all this shit, quite frankly, like if you're going to get anything out of this episode, anything out of what we're saying right now, 
because uh, I'm sure it's confusing, and I'm sure we could have probably done a little better of trying oh, to figure out wording. Yeah. But it's a very complex issue. We're trying to get a lot into one thing, and so we'll probably dive deeper into some of these. But if you're going to get anything out of this, like know that your body isn't bad. There is no separation between your body and your spirit. Work is good. Culture is good. And so, yes, there are certain parts of our culture that is fucking fucked up. And it's stupid. There's a lot of parts of our church that's also fucked up and fucking stupid. And there's good in both. When God said to go and uh, reproduce, he said to also fill the lands. And he said to create culture. He said to create uh, systems. He said to create civilization. This is all in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Why do we continue to fight that? Why do we continue to say that the physical is bad, the spirit is good? And all of it is just sin management. It all of it is is just all of this like it's just it's just bullshit, dude. Yeah. It honestly is, and I mean, I kind of speak from experience when like we talk about like the like feel like being told that your body is bad because especially in the realms of purity culture uh i'm gonna get really personal here here we go all right so for those of you who do not know which is probably most of you i don't even know if you know this daniel but uh my dad is divorced he ha- he married someone uh, before he met my mom. And, uh, sorry dad if this gets a little personal for you, he had a vasectomy in that relationship. And um, basically, so basically he intended to live the rest of his life without having any kids uh, with his wife. And then they divorced, they split up, and obviously the church deemed that as, like, the worst thing that you could possibly do. Like, of course, divorce is bad, especially if... I I don't know the specifics of it, but I'm pretty sure no one cheated, no one was abusive. So They just wanted different things, and they divorced. And then uh, my dad met my mom. Uh, they eventually uh, got married, and my dad went to a doctor and got a reverse vasectomy. Ouch. Ouch! Yes, he, he had to, he got an ouch twice. <laughs> oh God. Um, and so, essentially, you know, it, out of some miracle, I was born, <laughs> because the the reverse vasectomy worked, and then I, you know, obviously I'm around, and I'm my dad's kid and my mom's kid. But, and I knew that my dad was uh divorced at some point at a pretty young age actually um and it was just one of those things where i was on like constantly told constantly that divorce was bad divorce was sinful divorce was bad divorce was sinful uh and basically in some circumstances anyone who gets a divorce is going to hell but then you i mean if you consider the this past story like literally my dad went from literally couldn't have kids to now can have kids after a divorce if my dad didn't get that divorce i wouldn't exist Hmm. and so and i was always told like you know we were you know we're all made after god's own image and we were all like our own like beautiful creation but my dad had to get divorced in order for me to exist at all yeah and so a lot of the time growing up like it wasn't necessarily said directly to me but i internalized that my existence my very existence was a sin that Mm. i shouldn't be alive i shouldn't i shouldn't exist i shouldn't have even been a concept all because of all this, like, all of this, like, forced, honestly, bullshit. Yeah. Upon, like, my, something that my dad did. It wasn't even me. It was my dad. Yeah, and even then, it's like, divorce, 
first off, that that should have never been communicated. And I've and I know many people who are children of divorce, mm-hmm. divorces, similar circumstances or different circumstances, whatever. And yes, the Bible says a lot about divorce, and the reason why and. It's not because it's inherently bad to divorce someone, but because it has such big ramifications. Every sin has to do with the community, not the individual. Mm-hmm. It has to do with how it affects other people. So if I go home and I masturbate, am I affecting anyone? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Now if I go home and I sit down and I, and I go to Pornhub and I watch some porn, is that affecting someone? Oh, you bet your ass it is. Yeah. And you can look up the statistics. I'm not looking it up right now, but there's a shit ton of people in the porn industry who are actually tra- human trafficking victims. So yes, every single time I watch a video, that is producing more demand for human trafficking. So yes, that's bad. Divorce sucks because, and I had I had a uh, my my late just recently passed choir conductor, um, amazing man. He's been divorced. He was divorced multiple times until he eventually. Married his life, his his uh, last wife, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago to cancer, um, and what he told us all the time is he 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 wanted us. He said, "Guys, make sure that you are the man that you are meant to be, and make sure that the woman or spouse, partner, whatever that you end up choosing, is someone that you want to be with every single day. Because I didn't make that choice, and it ruined my relationship with my son." who he eventually was able to get close to again. Mm. But also he said, every time that you are married, you become one. And every time that you divorce, you are ripping that apart. And it hurts. So granted, part of what he was saying was coming from a holiness tradition, which is a lot of this purity culture. of, You know, you pass the flower around and you take off one petal after one petal after one. Who was going to want that flower? It it wasn't like that, but it was getting close to that. But his, his, his heart was coming from I've experienced this and it's painful. Each divorce was painful. And each divorce affected his children. Mm-hmm. I have other friends who are children of divorces and it affected their lives so horribly. That's where it comes in. That's why it's that's why it's not good. Mm-hmm. But it does not mean someone's going to hell. Does not mean that the existence of any child after that is 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 sinful or is bad. Like this whole idea that we I mean even if we're going to talk about hell, I mean, we're going to have a whole fucking episode about that. Trust oh, me. Pumped. Like, I, oh my fucking hell, I hate our modern concept of hell. It's yeah. stupid. Uh, and it's fucking limiting, and it's fucking bullshit, and it's Greco-Roman, and it's from some dude named Dante who thinks that he actually went to hell and heaven and purgatory. What fucking, the hell were you thinking, Dante? I love, I love Dante's Divine Comedy. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, right. it's beautiful philosophy. Oh, yeah. Which is what it is. Philosophy. It's philosophy. Uh, yeah. So, that's just a taste for y'all. But, the purity culture constantly says, be pure or you go to hell. Be pure or you have these consequences. It's all fear-based. Yeah. It's all fucking bullshit. And I see people who are afraid to go to the movies, who are afraid to go to clubs, who are afraid to drink alcohol, afraid to smoke weed, afraid to smoke tobacco, afraid to uh, literally do so many different things and not enjoy life. And then you have hypocrisies where your kids are able to read Narnia, but they can't read Harry Potter because there's magic in it. The entire world of Narnia is about magic? Uh, I, well, one was written by a Christian guy, and the other one was not. Which isn't true, because J.K. Rowling herself is a Christian. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like we pick and choose what we want. It's all cherry-picking. We don't keep everything under the same guise. And then with purity culture, you say, oh, but if you're gay, you're going to hell. But if you're divorced, oh, no, you're you're allowed in. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you, you, you just slept with a woman or man last night at a club that you met. And you've do, done that every single Saturday night before coming to church. And we, so, again, we pick and choose. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, if you're going to say one person's going to hell, you're going to say every single person in this church is going to hell. Yeah. Or... You're going to say no one's actually going to hell because <laughs> what are you fucking saying? Anyways, that's uh, so many different conversations for the future. Yeah. But I, I, I want to just end my rants, many rants, with sin is a communal thing. 
and it's 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 inherently something and, and it's going to be different for each person it's my what is sinful for me may not be sinful to another person i had a professor who t- shared a story that he had a friend who wanted to one night when they were hanging out he wanted to go down to a strip club and he wanted my professor to go with him and he was like what i don't want to go to a strip club with you he was like no 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 i want to go down there because I want to deliver this Bible that I have in my hand to someone. And I want to, and I feel the need to go share the gospel with that person. Mm-hmm. And my professor said no. And he said, look, I love the heck out of you. If you can do that and not feel like you're going to be sinning, please do it. But for me, I know that once I go down there, I'm going to lust immediately. And that is not going to be healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And so, but he said, I will be out here and I'll wait for you. And so his friend did. He went down and he's like, yeah, I don't personally struggle with that. So he went down and out of that, he has what is now called Triple X Church. Triple X Church has a booth at every porn convention. And what they do is not only do they help with human trafficking survivors or victims, they also help spread the gospel to people. They've literally like converted or whatever you want to call like many porn stars. Yeah. Because for the first time, these men and women were told you are loved, you have value, and you are a treasure. Even though millions of people have seen you fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and have seen ev- literally every part of you. Yeah. And if my professor were to have judged him and said, no, you can't do that because it's sinful, that man wouldn't have been able to, to fulfill his calling. And what a big calling, too. It is. I know I would never be able to do that. But, like... There are things that I can do. Like, I can go to a bar, and if... I mean, I'm not going to go to a bar, a bar to evangelize, so that's fucking stupid. Yeah. But, like, some people can't go to a bar because they're alcoholics, recovering alcoholics, whatever. And so, going to a bar for them is going to be something that's going to, like, create separation between them and God. Yeah. It's going to be them missing the mark. For me, it doesn't feel like it. I can go to a bar, I can have a beer, and I can talk about theology with a friend. In fact, it actually helps me. Yeah. But I've seen that very idea literally tear apart a community of brothers who, which is a men's group that I used to be a part of, who we used to drink beer and read the Bible and eat pizza. And it was the most fun that I ever had. And so many people came into community, came to know Jesus on a deep level, or came to know Jesus for the first time because of this group. But then people came in and started imposing their purity culture on this group. And that group eventually started separating. And and so we're going to over the next few weeks start diving a little bit deeper getting a little bit more serious about a certain about certain things um last episode we talked about this book called the cure um which essentially is talking about the road the room of grace versus the room of good intentions and right now we talked a lot about people in the room of good intentions um which we we, will go a bit deeper into what all of that means uh with the next episode um and so this was like a lot of laying the ground. We'll go deeper into some of this history and deeper into some of the stuff that we that we touched upon today. Um, but I think our point was really just to say that if you've been a victim of purity culture, like that's that's bullshit, and we're sorry. Um, yeah, we may not have been the ones to cause that abuse, but it is abuse. Yeah, and we're not going to be here and say, oh, you have to be converted or you have to be a follower. All of this, all this shit is just rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules. Break free. And if you're a person who, you know, has gone out of your way before to, like, kind of install your purity culture amongst other people, um... Fucking stop! Yeah, stop! <laughs> like, uh... Don't tr- be a fucking dick! Don't yeah. be Kenneth, bro! Don't, don't be a Kenneth. Honestly, like... There comes a time where we all, like, literally everyone just needs to shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. And you can literally apply it to anyone and everyone. We all need to shut the fuck up and listen. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, to close, I want to read a quote from Richard Rohr. He is a mystic. Uh, calls himself a mystic Catholic. Uh, he's a, he follows the Franciscan monk uh, thing. Really awesome dude. Like honestly, going through my really unhealthy deconstruction 
I would say that Richard Rohr has been the person to really help me be less cynical because mm-hmm. uh, he's helped me to see that there's a third way. And this is this is also the quote. It's on our website. Um, and it's also, I think, the heart of what we want to do. So he says, traveling the road of healthy religion and true contemplation will lead to calmly held boundaries, which need neither to be defended constantly nor abdicated in the name of friendship. The road is a narrow road that few travel upon these days. It is what many of us like to call the third way, the tertium quid, that emerges only when you hold the tension of opposites. And so, to sign us off today, Jake, who would we like to thank this week? Uh, this week, uh, I, I would really, really like to thank uh, Walt Disney's frozen head that's under the Pirates of the Caribbean over at Disneyland, California. Yes, we thank do you, this Walt. podcast without you. And thank uh, you. as always, I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> not, not me. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you guys next time. Uh, like, share, follow. We will open a Patreon when we get 100. Yeah! 100 followers, Patreon, baby! Alright, goodbye. Totally good. Uh, no, 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 don't delete it. We're, we're keeping that in. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's take it from the top.